Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Casual Watch Talk. This is episode 16. I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. How have you been this week, Chris? Uh, pretty good. Evening, Sam. Evening, evening. Yeah, it's been an interesting week with us again, both working from home. Um, but as usual, let's kick this off with uh, what watch have you been uh, wearing in, in your quarantine this week? <laughs> well, uh, it's been the star of the Instagram show. Um, it's my uh, Bell and Ross Zin 103. Um, it's a 20 year old chronograph, but it's was pressure tested and had the crown fixed, uh, last year. So I'm totally confident that, uh, dunking it in soapy water is fine. And I've had, uh, uh, a gray NATO and a green NATO that have alternated taking trips into the washing machine. So, oh yes. And if you want to hear more about the reason behind that, listen to, um, uh, <laughs> last week's uh, casual watch talk episode where we talked about is is a nato strap sanitary um and then next of course have you had a watch obsession this week oh yeah i have i have and we didn't we didn't we we talked a little bit about this earlier so i got the orient in from joma shop it arrived so that was the blue orient it's not the bambino it kind of looks like the bambino it's it's one of their dress watches and it was $99 and it was no tax and it was free shipping. And it showed up and I had it, I opened it up, I quarantined it a little bit, a little, uh, little gloved up, you know, because uh, it, you know, just, it was coming from New York. So, uh, so it kind of hung out for a little bit and then I, uh, I, I swabbed it down. Uh, total disappointment, just total disappointment. Yeah. So the, the color that, and this, I mean, so I'm a guy, so I, I have some experience with e-commerce stuff and I know how important color is, especially like any sort of uh, clothing, <laughs> clothing, shoes, watches. I mean, the color, it's just so important. And once again, they just, they, they didn't, they couldn't do the color right. So it was this, it was this bright blue and I thought it had white indices and white hands. Turns out they were polished silver and they were completely 100% reflecting a white background so they looked white but they were polished silver and the color blue was not this sharp royal blue uh royal blue it was a like greenish blue and i just i took one look at it and i was like ugh. i only saw a picture of it and honestly i don't think i've ever seen a non fake watch look so fake it, yeah, it looked like a yeah, it looked like a Bambino knockoff. Yeah, it was it was a really weird because I mean I've only had experience. I've owned a couple of Orients and stuff like that, but they're known for their quality. They're known for putting the parent company Seiko to shame sometimes for the yeah, value to money, yeah. and it's what a what a shame that was. It's it really comes down to for me. It was just it did not look like it looked in pictures. So. Uh, to Joma Shop's credit, sent them an email. They got right back. Uh, they sent PDF of a of a uh, postage return postage. So 
that is on its way back. So <laughs> disappointed, but maybe this is a topic for an entire show in itself. But I've had positive experiences with Joma Shop where I've sent something back. I bought a Fortis B42 mm-hmm. watch. Now, this is the watch that Roscosmos use. So it's the slightly mm-hmm. bigger watch that Roscosmos uses this chronograph, but they make a non-chronograph version. And mm-hmm. when it arrived, well, first of all, it was titanium and the, it had a titanium bezel. And it felt very cheap, but the it was weird because the dial looked so, it was very big and it looked empty. It's like they just took the chronograph watch and took the chrono. It looked like there was a space left for where the chronograph dial should go. So it didn't look uh, right. Right, right. Uh, and then I yeah. thought to myself, well, I'll put some, I'll put it on a NATO, as you do, put it on a NATO. Yeah. But on a Fortis watch, it has like a bar that goes through. They're not pins. That's It's like a very industrial right. bar. So I undid the bar, pulled the strap off, put it on a NATO. It didn't look quite right. And then I tried to get the leather band back on, but it had a solid plastic insert into it. And I oh, think right. there was a an, a an issue with the molding because once I put the band back on, I couldn't get the holes to line up either side. It was so tight and I must have spent easily six or seven hours trying to get it this get the band back onto the Ugh. watch. It was just every time you pushed it in and misalign it the other side. And I was And you I, didn't want and you also you didn't you wanted to get your money back. You didn't want to damage it. Absolutely. And it was the most frustrating experience I've ever had replacing a, a watch strap. Now, I made an upload on this, one of my very early ones, and the amount of comments that I got, nasty comments I got on that. And hmm. I, and, and one of my defenses, I say, is, look, Joma Shop took this watch back. So if they didn't see a defect with it either, they wouldn't have given me my money back. Yeah, and, they actually, yeah. and they actually gave me my money back. But that really, that put me off Fortis for a long time, actually. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, the t- their watches look great. They, they, I, I wanted, you know, we talk about uh, obsession. I was, uh, I was obsessed in that, in the space watch, you know, in the one that they issue the chronograph. But there's, there's little things about them that just, they're a little off. They're just like, they're, the main crown doesn't screw down. So like you get it and you're like, wait, you have screw down pushers, but you don't, that, but the crown doesn't screw down. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little, and like the decisions they made on stuff is just kind of, just kind of odd. But again, going back to, you know, Joma shop, um, my, my first, uh, Swiss watch Hamilton, my khaki King, uh, came from them. So that was a bunch of years ago. No issues with them. You know, you, you hear, I think the watch community kind of goes back and forth on the like, well, the gray market and they, they vilify it a little bit. And you're like, no, it's not. It's, it's part of, it's the market. <laughs> it's part of the, it's part of how this all works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And where do you think they get the majority of these watches from, especially the Omega watches? Omega was dumping right. them for a long time through channels. It's not yeah. this nefarious, there is no guy sort of deep throat in a car park can't turn up with 8,000 Omega watches in the back of a, you know, right. blacked out sedan and he's like, oh, and then Mr. Joma Shop comes along and they do this like shady deal with, you know, only in cash. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a legitimate uh, way of they dump stock. Exactly. And, and realize that that's some people drinking the 
you know, AD Kool-Aid, the the authorized dealer Kool-Aid. So if you're an authorized dealer, of course you don't want your watches showing up on third-party sellers. Of course not. This is every industry has these weird agreements where, oh, well, you're not going to get the warranty, you know, and and we're we're going to deny your warranty and da, da, da. but everything I've heard and uh my experience with uh with you know, gray market as well as, you know, Joma shop has been Completely fine. And the other thing as well is you'd be breaking some serious customer regulations, wouldn't you? Some customer rights by right. not servicing it. And you're telling me that if I bought a, a Speedmaster off Joma Shop and then tried to go into an Omega and they started rolling me around about it, I think you could kick up that much of a fuss about it that they would probably, or who knows, but they might cover it. In a lot of cases, they won't, they won't give you the warranty card. Yeah. So depending on the, you know, so for the Hamilton, I didn't get a, I didn't get a warranty card, but, but everybody, I read about this watch and Hamilton and researched and did my due diligence to check it out was like, you're not, it's going to, you're going to get it and it's going to run great for the first 10 years and then you're going to check it and it's going to be fine. (laughs) So I was like, oh no, I don't have a two year warranty from the, from the manufacturer. I still have a two year warranty. Or even a three, I think they extended. But I had a warranty from Joma Shop. They would have taken it back, you know, and they would have fixed it. So, and this is going to lead into our one of our main stories. I think we're just going to chat. We haven't got a real main topic we're going to focus on. We're probably just going to talk through a lot of these news stories in a bit more yeah. depth because there was some interesting ones for sure this week. Now, what is your watch obsession this week? Well, that's good. Uh, well, what I've been wearing the most is my little japanese citizen watch turned up and i absolutely love it it's a it's a titanium uh watch uh, the eco drive land watch it's called um, sets itself off the atomic time and i think we talked about this in one of the podcasts where it only sets itself from the japanese clock Mm -hmm. i managed to fool it using that app so i made a video on how to use this app it's an ios app you can fool Mm -hmm. it into yeah but it's it's mechanized so the hands start moving the dial uh the date wheel starts moving it's a wonder to behold i'm just about to upload and um a sort of unboxing review i got a sneak preview and you guys will enjoy that yeah it's cool it's a cool watch yeah it's the pmd 56-2952 eco drive japanese only and citizen have done an amazing job of this i put it on a nato strap and it just completes the look it came on a titanium bracelet which is very well machined but check out the review of it um i talk a lot about the titanium bracelet but it's a quartz watch and i've never been happier in fact i kept it on kanji date uh because it just looks cool it's a japanese domestic one so i'm gonna sorry on the kanji day i should say so i've got the normal day but it just looked cool although i did forget what the day was today i was uh, when we were chatting before i was like oh we (laughs) don't normally do a podcast on a wednesday and it wasn't it was thursday i think the days are kind (laughs) of melding into one (laughs) yes yes i'm having that same problem over here yeah and then i picked up a of course i got that swatch the tokyo edition one which i uploaded onto the facebook group and thank you, everyone that's joined. We only have had the Facebook group up for maybe two weeks, but a lot of you have joined. Thank you so much. And also, thank you for sharing a lot of your pictures of watches. We had a great uh, Certina Diver, a personal oh, favorite a, of mine. I love it. Yeah. So thanks yeah, that's to a Robert great, that's for that. A, yeah, it's a great watch. And yeah, it's on my uh, 
what did I put? I said uh, top pick for Vintage Diver. And then one of the early podcasts I did before Chris was my my co-host was with uh, Todd, who is a collector of vintage Seiko chronographs. And if you've listened to that podcast, if you like that one, you'll actually get to see a picture. He's put a picture on the Facebook group. So head on over to uh, Casual Watch Talk, the uh, Facebook group. We'd love to uh, continue the conversation there and love to see some pictures of your watches. Um, And then, wow, my watch obsession this week is that new Christopher Ward GMT looks awesome. It's yep. a GMT watch, and they and they've made GMT watches before. They use a Salita GMT movement. Um, they made one that was like a Pepsi version, looked awesome. But this one is black with yellow accents, and the bezel has the time zone cities on it. I don't know what it is about this, but it just looks incredible. What just hit me is it. It reminds me of the old, the old Seiko. GMTs, which I wish they made. I wish Seiko would still do a mechanical GMT, but uh, that's what it reminds me of. That's that style with the with the words of the cities printed out on the rotating bezel, and then the way they did the 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 twenty four hour markers on the inside. Uh, yeah, really reminds me of the uh, the blue and red. I don't know what model it is, but the old Seiko World Timers that they had. Christopher Ward stuff, the, you know, from a, from a design standpoint, from a watch standpoint, I think they've got it. I think they've got it down. Um, from a design standpoint, I, I think they're, they're still, and they still, you know, they get, they get guff for this. I'm not going to be the first one to give them guff for this. They're still, um, sort of solidifying what their, what their style and their design, their logos and stuff and their hands and stuff. I mean, it's, it's not usually consistent. They've, they've changed hands many. I mean, they'll change there was one model where they, you know, kind of did it mid, mid model. They changed the hands on it. So, I'd like to see just consistent stuff like this. This looks like a Christopher Ward World Timer, which is great. So the the design language that they've adopted, they're sticking with. That's good. And then it harkens, like I said, that that sort of Seiko World Timer feel to it. It's really cool. Now it's um. Was it 41, 42? It's a 41 millimeter case. And with it on its steel bracelet, they're knocking it out for $1,250, um, which is a great price. But last year, for part of the year, they ran an offer where it's $250 off. And they do yeah. some incredible sales. Like they're probably yeah. the best sales a watch company ever does. And I like the way they explain, they actually explain how they price things as well. They're mm-hmm. very transparent. I certainly like these new watches that are coming from. The watches they had years ago with like the uh, the larger W on the I wasn't I wasn't feeling those at all. I'm I don't feel that I don't feel any of their current dive watches, but the retro mm-hmm. dive watches I like, the racing ones, the military ones as well. They've got some interesting uh, designs to them yeah. for sure. I'd prefer them more if they had the the date on them, but of course that's subjective to to and everyone. And it's got, now I see the it's got a it's domed sapphire, so it it definitely has that vintage feel to it, which I I like that for sure. So it reminds me of uh, reminds me of my Bell and Ross. 
my my GMT. Well, should we do a couple of news stories, and we're probably yeah. gonna t- we'll probably talk through these a bit longer than we normally do. Just uh, I think some of these do need a further explanation. That's why we opted for not having a, a predominantly main topic today. There's a couple of ones around Breitling. Um, there's some new watches from Swatch, but let's talk about the the first Breitling story. And Breitling are saying that they're going to start production again on april the 7th now for anybody listening to this in the future most of the world is still largely in quarantine sheltering in place yeah sheltering in place sorry yeah Yeah, sheltering in place for the the covid19 virus so i imagine breitling must employ quite a few people they're not opening the grenken office but they are opening one of their plants which is in la, la chateau de ford fond la yeah, de fond. La de fond, yeah that's where that's that's where you're that's predominantly where most if if not a large majority of, of factories for swiss watches are made you've got workers obviously that can work from home some of the process people but those watchmakers the highly skilled ones i assume that they largely can't work from home but also they're highly highly skilled highly skilled watchmakers that you can't run the risk of them getting sick so i wonder what the idea is here from breitling i mean they've obviously done a risk assessment and things like that but if if they can do it then i bet most of the of the manufacturing places in that area can do it so they must be working with the swiss government to say because they're now on the back side of it their their cases are are steady and i'm sure they have the testing and and we're in a you know we're ramping up here and we don't we don't have the test if you think you had it if you maybe you did maybe you didn't or maybe you thought you had a flu or something like you're not getting tested unless you are super super sick and you know need to go to the hospital that's the only way you're getting tested here right now so i I, but i see that now that the wave has has passed, um, these companies are now, you know, the, the governments are now relying on, you know, okay, so we're going to we're going to test everybody. So then once you get into, the, into that, then, you know, like, okay, well, no one in the factory has it. And so then and if you think you have it or you get sick or whatever, you can go get tested. Then you find out like, oh, okay, well, we'll stay in quarantine, that sort of thing. I'm yeah. sure they can make some concessions to move move people apart and, you know, move some watchmaker benches apart and just be be safe and smart about it. Switzerland's had close to 19,000 cases, which it's high-ish. I mean, it's not within Europe. They're nowhere near as big as the United Kingdom has had 33,000 cases. Germany's 84,000. Yeah. So they're similar to Belgium, the Netherlands, Turkey is kind of in that below 23 Twenty thousand cases who knows yeah and i think it also maybe speaks to how their operation is a lot of those machines yes there are skilled watchmakers but a lot of this is robots and cnc machines that can run 24 hours a day it just needs a single machine operator to make sure that you're feeding parts into it and that you're feeding sheet steel into whatever or brass or, you know, whatever the, whatever the requirement is and make sure the machines are fed. So that's, if you see some of these, uh, watchmaking videos, um, I I usually notice that on the more modern factories, it's one or two guys that are feeding CNC machines and, 
And yes, the delicate assembly is done, but I, I bet they're m much like most uh, companies, they're raring to get back to work for sure. They sort of wear protective gear anyway, don't they? When you see pictures of the right, uh, what better place? My my wife does uh, cancer testing. She's still working, and I'm less nervous because of the fact that when she goes to work, she's in gloves and a mask and PPE and they don't want to contaminate samples. And so it's that same sort of thing. So you've got a little bit of that with watchmaking. You don't want dust inside it. So you've got a clean environment. The air is recycled a lot. You, you have ways to clean the air even around those benches, usually in dust proof. Um, so same sort of contamination sort of issues. Before we dive into the next story, let's just pause very quickly for an ad break. Welcome back, everyone. So we've got a couple more stories to seal through here. The next story that I had is quite a feel-good one. Christopher Ward. So I talked about Christopher Ward with my watch obsession. But Christopher Ward, the company, is going to award 10 watches to NHS staff. So if anybody's uh, listening to this outside of the UK, the NHS is the National Health Service for the UK. So obviously these nurses are on the front line, these healthcare workers. So Christopher Ward's going to do a competition on Instagram, I think it is, where you're going to be able to nominate a hero, an NHS hero, and then they're going to take, obviously, the top 10 and then gift them hmm. a watch. And it's one of their Trident Dive watches, one of the retro ones that we've just hmm. been talking about. And I think that's quite an honourable thing to do, really. Those NHS workers are, as well as medical personnel throughout yeah, the anyone, world yeah, uh, are on lines, the front lines for sure and uh they yeah definitely deserve to be rewarded to be uh you know for for folks to to appreciate them that's great i think everybody in the the uk i mean i know my my mum worked in the NHS for most of her working career, actually. We all have stories about relatives that were saved by NHS staff and, and how compassionate they are. And I think that was one of the, the weird things, I think, for me coming over to the US was how some news organisations, and I'm not going to get political here, but some of the news org organisations that I say were more right-wing leaning the way they talk about the nhs is frankly disgusting it, it, it's it's awful quite honestly it's a shocking for a for somebody from the uk i'm familiar with it and i know that it is national pride about that system how it works how it takes care of people how it it's uh it's it's doing great stuff commend christopher ward for doing that and hopefully there'll be some other watch companies that will but i don't know if you saw alton brown yeah, so Alton Brown is working with Crown and Caliber, um, and he's donating two of his watches. I think uh, his, uh, I think he's got a um, Dark Side Speedmaster, maybe, and and one of his other <laughs> one of his other watches. He's donating to them, Crown and Caliber. They're gonna do an auction for it, and then donate the money to uh, the Giving Kitchen in Atlanta. So so he's uh, another uh, another watch tie-in to. Uh, yeah, you might, for our international listeners, might want to explain who Alton Brown is. Oh, sure. So Alton Brown, uh, he, he's got a television show that's back on the air uh, called Good Eats. And so uh, he's a sort of a scientist-based chef. Um, he's got a uh, it's got a pretty fun show, but he's also a uh, he's also a, uh, a watch guy. Well, that's definitely a more worthy cause than. Did you ever watch the auction video when when 
Russell Crowe was getting divorced and he was auctioning off all his watches. And he, I, yeah, I think I caught that. Yeah. And he explained <laughs> how he bought the watches and everything, and it was it was like, oh, yeah. okay, well that's that's cool. And he, I did this movie, so I bought myself a watch or something. I remember something like that. Yeah, it was very nonchalant. <laughs> Next story is: I know you're a big fan of the Swatch System Fifty Ones, but they make they've mm. made a new petite second watch they're calling it with a small seconds now this was on hodinky and they did publish it yesterday i don't know whether this is an april fools i mean it does it i mean they look like normal watches so hopefully it's not an april because yeah. they look pretty cool hopefully but not. i think they've done an awesome yeah. job of this uh, actually from the renderings that they've got on on the internet yeah yeah the petite second blue it's funny they're they're going for the uh the french naming uh it looks yeah it looks pretty good i like it it's got a uh the dial has got some pretty intricate uh stuff done to it uh looks like uh sunburst in the middle the, i'm looking at the both the both of them black one and a blue one the sunburst in the middle looks like the black one comes with a red small seconds yeah it looks look pretty good so it's and it's there it's stainless steel right yeah and i think they've done a great job with the hands as well it's certainly yeah. a more refined quite a contemporary look to it it's certainly more refined than yeah. than you would expect from a from a standard swatch yeah it it's not that pop art color and it's not like in that that sort of like where it's just flat where it's just a flat color you know it's very it's got some detail to it i can't remember maybe you know did they ever make the original system 51 in a metal case or is this the first time that they've done that no they have so yeah they they did a version that is in metal so they've they've done them in i'm trying to think what the um <laughs> what the branding was but it was a i think it was a couple years after or maybe a year after they had done the original plastic um system 51 this is going on four or five years ago um where they came out with um and I, oh, what was the branding it's like metal the irony brand was it that they have yeah yeah uh, yes yeah, the irony yeah exactly so yeah system irony mm-hmm that's right. So I think this is a pretty cool... If you like that small seconds look, I mean, they're knocking these out at $215. I think that's a great price on a that's leather band. Good. Yeah, Swiss watch, leather band. But I presume it's going to be one of these where you can't ever service it. Yeah, it's, if it's System 51, it means that, yeah, it's sealed up. Also, they can be big. The plastic ones, I know the metal ones actually add a little. So I'd be curious to see what the specs are on this, if they've managed to slim it down a little bit. And I'm on their website now, but I can't see the, unless I'm just not seeing it at all, I can't see where it's got the the case sizing. It's just got that it's, oh, it's water resistant to 30 meters, woohoo. Mm. But I can't mm. see where they've got the, um, but it looks smaller because the size of the strap, in comparison to the size of the strap, it looks a bit smaller, but hey, who knows? Yeah, we'll have to get the specs on that. Yeah, so that was a that was a that was a quite a cool story. I I like the look of that. I've, uh, we've talked about this before. I'm I'm fighting my don't buy too many swatches. I have the <laughs> I have the uh, Damien yes. Hurst one, and then of course I bought that Tokyo uh, Olympics. If anyone yeah. wasn't listening to last week's show, I bought the Tokyo 2020 swatch. Yeah, and if and if you haven't heard past episodes, to just to let everyone know, uh, Sam is is uh three swatch watches away from a, a a room in his house and having a thousand of them it's like it's like 
you're gonna you're gonna get to number four and it's gonna be like well i just had to buy all of them oh i know i'm just gonna <laughs> kind of go all in with it now yeah 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 the uh the separate wing uh what are you, are you building that uh, shelves oh these are for the swatch yeah watch. for the swatch the swatch watch <laughs> factory and then another interesting story and this is alluded to this at the start this is the second of the Breitling stories and little plug again for the Facebook group but we ran a little poll on the Facebook group today and Chris I'd love to get your opinion on this as well is mm-hmm. there's a story on Watch Pro again Watch Pro has been an absolute gold mine this week for stories but um, Watch Pro had a story around how Breitling was I don't know whether they're toying with the idea I think this might be like a story where they've planted the story and then they're going to see what the hmm. reaction is to it. But they're saying that they're yeah. going to get rid of the packaging for the the boxes. And it's just going to come in like a reusable... The watch is going to come in a reusable pouch that, that then can hmm. also be recycled. So I asked the question, what do people think of this? And I put a number of answers. And it seemed like overwhelmingly the answer that I got that most people voted for was, I prefer a reusable pouch. A box is just clutter. And then the next yeah. one was, this is an environmentally sensitive approach, which got yeah, two votes. Two yeah, and then, mm-hmm. yeah. and then somebody did vote and said that the box really adds to the experience of owning a luxury watch. Um, and then mm. nobody opted for my option four, which is Breitling's being just cheap. <laughs> I guess overall, what do you think of this? And then I suppose there's a there's quite a few nuances to this as well, isn't there? But yeah. first of all, let me I'll ask your opinion on what you think of this overall. I I think it's good. I think it's good. I think I've got I have I'm of two minds. One is the presentation. So and I think and I think you've talked about this before, but that sort of the more that the company spends in the box and the packaging and the presentation, you you feel maybe they cheaped out on stuff for the watch. I mean, you get this definitely with micro brands and it's, it's sort of like the more they spend on packaging, it's like they're trying to trick you, you know, Oh, this packaging is so nice. And then you open it up and you're like, uh, yeah, from that, from that standpoint, I, I don't think, you know, I think, Breitling doesn't have to worry about that. I'm with you on that one. I prefer a reusable pouch. The I think the boxes are clutter. I don't like, you know, necessarily storing mm-hmm. the boxes. The immense opportunity that the guys at Bob's Watches give me to go to Bob's Watches. I've got to see some pretty interesting watch boxes, I'd say, that vary from works of art to the right. bizarre. And I think I would say the most bizarre is the ones that come with Panerai. Now, I reviewed Panerai. It was a box set of two, and they'd reissued... One of them was a prototype that had never been issued, so they're two very desirable watches. And Mm -hmm. the idea of the box was it was based around the the human torpedo or i think it might be called the mayal or what, like i think it's like the sea pig or something it translates to in italian okay. and it was what the italian frogmen that used panerais in military operations would get on mm-hmm. this you know the thing that you basically sit on it's like a torpedo that you drive it's in that james bond film thunderball that's what they remind me yeah. of so it's like an undersea motorbike Propeller i guess driven yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. so this box set the, the wooden box was quite ornate the two watches were presented nicely with extra straps but the additional parts they had like a little model of this um human torpedo thing 
which literally looked like it was made out of a resin, so it was partly broken anyway. And it looked like when you're on holiday and there's like a Statue of Liberty made out of resin that somebody's just badly painted. I'm already gritting my teeth. I'm like, er. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a like a Haynes manual all about this human torpedo, like an encyclopedia. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what is this little desk thing and the right. book, which I guess would have totaled $20 or something. Right. What, what's right. that adding to the experience of the Panerai? In fact, I think the little model cheapened it quite a bit. No, that's a good example of like, I think it can be done wrong. Yeah. You can have a, a great product and then your presentation, you can ruin it with presentation. And for me, I think I would be okay if, if I was in the authorized dealer and it was a big occasion and I had saved up enough to get the watch that I always wanted and they came out and they had the presentation box and they open the box and it's there. And then later they're like, we just took the presentation box and we just give it to the next person. I'd kind of be okay with it. Like once it's, once that yeah. part is over, you're like, yeah, I don't need this anymore. Like this is just taking up space. You're like, and I find like once the watch is old or once you, you know, it's used or, you know, at least three drawers over here of just watch boxes, which, you know, they're not too bad. Not too bad. It's not, it's not Sam's watch collection yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, and the funny thing is as well, I think with a lot of these, uh, this goes back to a conversation that we had, I think it was last week where we were discussing about how a lot of these brands would love to emulate rolex in terms of their success mm -hmm. but they mm -hmm. don't follow their playbook so a panerai would be a, an absolute prime example of this where maybe omega as well is like hey you want to be successful as rolex rolex's boxes are green plastic if and the fanciest they go is there might be a cardboard sleeve on that green plastic box that's a different color mm -hmm. other than white they checked that. Yeah, they checked it off. They just, they're like, okay, we have our green box. It's fancy. It's fancy enough. It's become an icon. Whereas, yep. uh, you know, guess the craziest ones that I've seen in person. I mean, I talked about that Panerai, but have you ever seen the, you'll only ever see it in person if you go to Las Vegas? Because Hublot do a Las mm -hmm. Vegas. Have you seen this? This Las Vegas limited mm -mm. edition Big Bang? And it comes in basically an entire poker set with the chips oh i gotta see it i gotta see it <laughs> they went all in with the the las vegas theme i mean the omega speedmaster it's almost a, such a great watch but they're making the boxes more and more ornate i got to review that 50th anniversary one and this this thing is it comes in like a suitcase yeah and and all of the omega boxes are, are i think are unique i mean when you get up to they're all sort of like unique or whatever watch and the brand and there's a special you know like all the speedmaster ones there's tons of special ones with pictures of the moon on this side and yeah but what do you do with that box you literally have to store it where you you keep your luggage for holiday because it's that big yeah this big suitcase oh let me get the suitcase down oh this is my speedmaster <laughs> taking up one of my guilty pleasures is watching the occasional producer michael um video on youtube in fact mm -hmm. i've reached out to him and he has offered to this was a while ago i need to contact him again actually maybe when all this covid mm -hmm. stuff settles down but he's got the jacob and co watch where it's the the astronomica or whatever it is with the right is it the, is it it is jacob and co i think where it's the solar system 
but the box mm-hmm. itself has like a little mini LCD screen in it. And then when you open it up, it wow. plays this music. The box plays. The, the box itself oh, is shaped like a meteorite from goodness. memory. It's a thing of beauty. But again, it, like you said, you're only getting that little thrill once and then of course you've got to show it to everybody right exactly and then once everyone's seen it then you're like uh, i guess i just have to keep this with my my old computer box and my old tv box up by my luggage <laughs> just it's, it's like not in the it's not it's not going to be in the living room we're not going to be displaying this <laughs> sorry <laughs> a lot of the times i think that certain micro brands suffer mm-hmm. from this certainly the ones where they make more dress watches some of the ones i've reviewed right. and i make reference to it in the the review it comes in like a a wooden box mm. or something like that and to me a micro brand is you're paying for the effort and the quality of the components that they're putting into the watch right. i actually right. don't like it to come in anything other than yeah. cardboard box and maybe a watch roll i mean laurier do an awesome job of this they include like a watch mm-hmm. roll and the thing just comes in a you know a cardboard box that then they like hand wrap themselves in like brown paper it looks very industrial but some of them you see where it's got that sort of faux velvet interior and it's like what am i going to do with this box like the the watches that's a that's a great point sam the money you you take a microband watch where they're competing in a let's say a five to seven hundred dollar space if they're if they're spending uh let's just throw out a number you know if they're spending thirty dollars on the presentation with the box and the thing and the thing and the tissue paper and the whole you know what i mean like that's money that's coming away from what they could have spent on making that a better watch exactly and um, just a little comedy joke here, but I was slightly relieved when this, my beautiful little citizen that I'm wearing now, didn't turn up in that ridiculous scuba tank. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. What do you do with that thing? You know they made a million of those things, but yeah, the scuba tanks are like, well, I'm not going to sell citizen watches, so I don't know where this is going to go. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> It is ridiculous. It's right. not even that protective to ship the watch no. in because it right. kind of rattles around inside it anyway. I'm not sure. Right. But yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, they probably funny. Somebody probably ordered like a boatload of them and then they're like, oh, well, right. this comes on I'm every sure watch like, now. Well, right. This is now the green Rolex box is now is now the is now the um, <laughs> the, the pressure vessel. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> scuba tank. So we talk about boxes and where do you, you store them, etc. But. I mean, there's a whole cottage industry of selling selling the boxes separately, isn't there? I mean, you only have to go on eBay yeah. to yeah. You only have to go on eBay to see these for sale. I mean, would you ever buy an ornate watch box minus the watch? Only if I didn't have it, and I thought I could sell the watch that it was for for more money, because I see that all the time, and I and I was I'm not going to say a victim of it, but. But I bought a used watch on eBay that came with, I know, was a completely different, completely different for a completely different watch. And I know because when I opened it up, it had the manual for this completely different watch, but it was in. So that whole box and papers thing I think is a little overblown. At the same time, you, you know, you want to find, if you're looking for something used, yes. Would you 
would you absolutely love to find something in like new old stock condition in perfect condition that was placed inside the watch box with the receipt in it in the back with the luggage right you you would want that but who's doing that (laughs) no one's doing that i'm not doing that (laughs) and then yeah i suppose the final point on this because we're 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 coming close to the the kind of end here but what do you think about not only a Breitling talking about the lack of a box, but they're now talking about the papers essentially being online? I mean, what do you think about that? I think it's okay. I think I think that it's not that it's what we want. I mean, going back to like looking for watches online, like everybody wants that, but it's just not realistic. Mm. And I mentioned Hamilton doesn't put the serial number doesn't put a serial number on their watch anymore. So, I mean, you can't even like track most Hamiltons down. And so then I could see more companies doing this sort of online registry and not, and not having, and not having all this stuff with the, with the box and everything. But I know I'm, as long as you can authenticate it. So there are some companies that, that won't do this. And then there are some companies that will. And I think there are, I think we'll get there eventually. I don't understand in the 21st century how watch companies just can't immediately be like, yep, this is a real serial number. This was made in July of 1997. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Or they can't have some kind of small, you know, if you can tag a flipping dog with a microchip. Right, right. Uh, you know, could they have a small microchip, Not maybe not even on the watch itself maybe a tag that comes in the box or something like that that you ship yeah or with the right with the warranty card or whatever yeah and then you just put you know some heavy layer of encryption on it so that nobody can hack the system but i'm sure these swish watch companies that'd be the first thing that would happen somebody would just hack the hack them and then right right, wonder who wants a who wants some serial numbers for this uh yeah and and rolex is like well we laser engrave a, a uh, and you know we laser etch a crown into the underside of the sapphire crystal that's a surefire way of doing it and then the mm-hmm. every time rolex tries to beat the forgers it's like a competition oh it's yeah it's an arms race oh yeah it's an uh, that's a non-ending arms race and then to your point if you think you have a fake rolex you bring it into a rolex dealer they're not going to authenticate it they don't want they don't want to do that they're not going to, they're like, Yeah, sorry. Paul Thorpe did a great YouTube video on this, you know. Yeah, he did. I saw that. I saw that. We'll have to hit that, hit that in the, in the links. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's the 21st century. We can, we can track this stuff online. I mean, I was able to, with some of my stuff that I picked up on eBay, I was able to email the company. I was able to email Zinn and say, hey, you know, this is my serial number. And and they'll and they eventually I mean not quick, but they got back to me via email and said, Yep, it was, you know, manufactured in two thousand one and this is this is what we know about it. Um and that it had ever been into service, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, and Omega want like a hundred and ten dollars for the the uh, archival um what do they call it? Uh, rep- a replication of the archival documents or something, but uh, Oh right. The, uh, yeah. Really interesting conversation. Let us know over on the Facebook group what you think of this. Do you like the boxes or or join in on that poll? And perhaps we'll talk about as we get more results next week. 
Chris, thanks so much for uh, for joining me again, or for I mean, you're part thanks, of the show yeah. now, aren't yeah. you? You're not joining me. We're we're doing this yeah. together. So yeah. So thanks, thanks for being on the other end. <laughs> All right. Um, Getting it done. Yeah. As always, guys, we really do appreciate you listening. Thank you for all the support on the Facebook group. And thank you for listening to this on your favorite podcasting app. As always, we appreciate you listening. And we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.